Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 5th, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are in the forward to the third edition. We are on page XXII. And today we're going to start at the very beginning of that page, which reads by March 1976. The share code, the ID for yesterday, for Wednesday, December 4th, is 5575. And the order of readers today, 12 steps is Crystal, 12 traditions, Michelle L. And the readers, Devorah, Katie F., Lisa Renee, and Julie. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating, to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Crystal to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Crystal, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, 
having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Crystal. And now, Michelle L., if you would please read the 12 traditions. Yes, good morning. This is Michelle from Delaware, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn in public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are in the forward to the third edition, page XXII. We're going to begin at the top of that page where it, where it says by March 1976. And I will ask Deborah to please get us started. Hi, good morning. This is Deborah, compulsive overeater, recovered. Thank you, God. Always the third edition. 
by March 1976, when this edition went to, print, to the printer, the total worldwide membership of Alcoholics Anonymous was conservatively estimated at more than 1 million with almost 28,000 groups meeting in over, in over 90 countries. Should I stop there or continue? Yeah, that's, that's good, Deborah. That's good. Okay. So that is, um, those numbers are amazing. Uh, you know, the estimate of a million people and 28,000 groups in over nine, in 90 countries, 91 countries. I know for myself, I, I recently came back from a trip um, in Israel, and I was able to connect and be part of two different meetings in two different areas. Israel is a very small, very small country, and I was able to go at, and and be part of the meeting, English-speaking meeting, um, and you know that was that was incredible for me. So no matter where I go and travel, I can take this program with me and meet other people. Who are striving and and um, and, and want to live life according to these principles and the steps. Um, it was um, it is absolutely amazing. And more I'm, you know, involved in the program and doing service and hearing people from all over the world. Um, it inspires me. Um, you know, we're, we all came in for one purpose here. You know, I just wanted to stop eating. I know for me that was it. I did not know I was going to get all these fringe benefits in this program. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I came for. And I'm staying, I'm staying, you know, they, you know, we say we came for the vanity and staying for the sanity. That's, that's why I'm here. Um, and to know that, you know, it's reaching all over and there are people wherever you go who, who are in this program doing the same thing, um, it is absolutely incredible. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Melanie. Go ahead, Melanie. Good morning, Janice. Um, my name is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oregon. I thought I'd just jump in since uh, not anyone else was uh, doing so at this point and just to point out the difference in 21 years from 1955 when they wrote the forward to the second edition to 1976, the difference in the amount of pages and the information that they wrote and then the page that they wrote here, um, the difference that I see in this particular paragraph comparing the two in the 21 years is it rose from 6,000 groups to 28,000 groups and from 150,000 in their membership to over 1 million. And I would imagine also that um, these would be certainly numbers that they had uh, were able to gain from registered folk that maybe there weren't as many registered. Um, I know that even in OA, there are lots of groups out there, meetings on the telephone line, for sure, that's where I get my connection with my, many of my fellows are not registered with OA, so those numbers aren't even reflective, and so that's perhaps the case in this situation. And with that, I'm going to Thanks, Janice. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you. You know, at the bottom of that 
paragraph, it also has a little notation for us to look at the bottom of that page. You know, my name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And they give us even more information that in 1985, over 58,500 groups with AA activity in 114 countries. And then in 1985, almost one-third are women and about one-fifth, 30 and under. You know, that there is, there is a great deal of hope in this paragraph, I think, because, because we're beginning to see this movement works. This movement works. Because it would not have drawn, remember, attraction, that people were being attracted to this movement because it worked. Because it worked. Because people were getting sober, staying sober. Families were being reunited. And the AA way of life was reaching more and more people in more and more countries. You know, and that's a pretty amazing thing without, you know, the world of the Internet, without Facebook, without, um, you know, television advertising as we know it today. This movement grew one alcoholic helping another alcoholic. And I don't think we in OA are any different. I don't think we are any different. It still grows one alcoholic, one compulsive overeater talking to another alcoholic, another compulsive overeater. You know, carrying the message, carrying the message. And this meeting itself, you know, we read in our format, our sole purpose. You know, the sole purpose of our group is to carry the message to those who still suffer. And the message is right here in the big book. And these numbers are just a reaffirmation to me of how it worked then and how it continues to work today. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Katie, ask if you could please read that. Good morning, this is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out not only to more and more people, but to a wider and wider range. Women now make up more than one-fourth of the membership. Among newer members, the proportion is nearly one-third. Seven percent of the AA surveyed are less than 30 years of age, among them many in their teens. Well, I was introduced to OA the first time when I was in my teens. And when I went in my teens, it was what appeared to me to be a bunch of middle-aged housewives. And over the years, um, and because of that, I didn't stay. I thought it it sounded really dumb and, you know, I wasn't that bad. So I I needed to go back out and do some more investigating. So when I came back, I was 21. Again, you know, very young. and I did stay then, but did not get recovered. So, um, you know, this is saying and is encouraging that we are reaching, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, what your credentials are, what your um, economic status is, if you have um, a PhD or a GED, you are welcome in these rooms. And... 
you know, of course, in OA, we do have a huge proportion are women. Um, and I would like to see more men um, in our rooms, you know, but for whatever reason, that just is not, the percentage is not there. Um, but again, it's a, it's a program that is meant to be open for everyone. And that is how it started and that's how it's, it's supposed to be. That it's not supposed to be, you know, just for, um, you know, a certain segment of society. And I'm just really grateful for this phone line because I think that it can reach people that maybe, you know, could not get out to a face-to-face -face meeting. And I would love, you know, I would love to know how many countries and how many cities and how many states are represented on this line, you know, and the potential of this um, growing and mushroom, mushrooming over the next, you know, decade is, is very exciting. I'm, I'm very um, excited to be part of, of something that is reaching uh, the OA community. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, good morning, Janice. It's Janice M. from Massachusetts. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, this this paragraph tying in with the first paragraph, you know, it's a, a conservative estimate, which means it's moderately, you know, we don't even know how many. But with this second paragraph, it's not only for the number increase, it's for the type of people. Now, remember in 1939, you know, they started with 100, 100 people, and they were all men. So you see, by 37 years, in 1976, if my subtraction is right, um, you know, the stigma was reduced. The stigma of alcoholism is reduced because of the transformation of recovery, of recovered alcoholics. So you see, uh, you know, history is something because there were more men, and then there became more women in AA, and, of course, when I came in in 85, you know, in OA, uh, there was more women. And like the previous uh, caller said, there should, you know, there's the increase. Is there more men? I don't know. But obesity is on the rise. And uh, we just have to, you know, get out there and show the recovery from, from OA. But that's why I don't think the increase is, is, is much, has grown as much as AA because of the book. So you see, when the stigma is reduced and when they find a solution uh, and the families get reunited and, and people get recovered one day at a time from obesity, then there will be growth. But uh, it's up to us to allow that growth to happen. And I know Vision for You has uh, presented a, a, a good message to, for the growth of OA. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally. Yeah. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you. Good morning, edition for you. It's Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. I find this very interesting, this sentence. Women now make up more than one-fourth of the membership among new members. The proportion is nearly one-third. And um, I just want to stop right there and look at the idea about women. And, you know, someone just shared how interesting it is the opposite for us in Overeaters Anonymous that 
we have such a high proportion of women as opposed to men. But the interesting thing about this to me is that um, women have more fat, 18 to 20% more body fat, body weight, or specifically fat composites than men. And because women have more fat and men have more muscle, women absorb alcohol differently than men. And the same, in the same way, I believe we also have, we, we, rep, we present our, our own obesity issues are different than men. In, in most cases, I'm, I'm not trying to, um, to be specific here. I'm just saying that it is a fact that women carry more fat. And this does. This is the key component. It's one of the main uh, differences between men and women um, from a physiological standpoint. And I think that that's what's represented here. Even not that they were trying to represent that here, but I think it's an important thing for us to remember that because we are different than men um, in in our body types, um, and because men do have more muscle mass than women do, um, we do react differently to alcohol and. Also, we react differently to our eating disorders in general. Of course, there are men um, who, and, and women who, there's, there's plenty of alcoholics um, who are women. And so I, I'm not trying to make too broad of a statement here, but just wanted to bring in the physiological standpoint um, on, on how this impacts the numbers um, in terms of men and women and, and our basic pathophysiology. That's all I wanted to share. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. Was there someone besides Sally who wanted to share? It's Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. I think there's a, a very... Um, I'm sorry, this is Kim G., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Since your surveys of the, in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out, reaching out not only to more and more people to a wider and wider range. And, uh, and that's beautiful because this is a message of dust and weight. You know, I can't put my finger on the page, but it says somewhere in the big book, it says, um, it was even more amazing to know that this solution could solve all your problems, all your problems. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, I think we get too specialized, too we have to be very unique. So I want to read to you on page 44 the simplest definition I've heard of a compulsive overeater. On page 44 it says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. So that's all we need. If you have the allergy of the body when you intake certain foods, then you cannot reasonably predict how much you're going to have. Or even when you have that incredible willpower to keep it down, you have a mind that tells you to go back. That is all we need to know to qualify to be a compulsive overeater. So in no way we have 15 questions to ask. And we're very good at saying, well, I only got 14 out of 15. I don't belong or I'm different. In AA, they have 40 questions. It's easier to disqualify yourself with that. The big book says there's only two questions. So it doesn't matter if we're a man. It doesn't matter if we're a woman. It doesn't matter if we're anorexic or bulimic or morbidly obese. If we have an answer to these two simple questions, then we are a compulsive overeater. 
And I know in my area specifically, we've had men meetings come and go. We've had young people meetings come and go. When I go on OA.org and look for meetings there, I see, I see 100-pounder meetings. I was asked to speak on a 100-pounder meeting, but found that I only lost 80 pounds, so I couldn't speak. I see meetings for vegans only. I see meetings for bulimics, and I see bulimics separating themselves. Well, I'm a bulimic that throws up, and I'm a bulimic that uses laxatives, and I'm a bulimic that uses exercise. Are we getting too specialized? Are we getting to the point that we're excluding people? The, the meeting, the book tells us we're all inclusive, never exclusive. Maybe the reason that we're 95% women is because we're not carrying the message of a compulsive overeater. We're sitting in the rooms complaining about our periods and about our husbands. And we're complaining. We have a message of death and weight. Once again, if when you honestly want to, you cannot quit entirely. If when you have the food down, you have a mind that's telling you to go back. And two, if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, which means we have this allergy to the body, then we qualify. So I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I, I spoke to someone um, who I really value, and I asked them how their world conference was in 19, um, you know, in, in Cincinnati this year. And he joked that it looked like it looked like a bunch of old white women who were getting together for a weekend because we're not attracting in the young people. We're not attracting in African Americans. We're not attracting in men. We have to look at that as a fellowship. They're saying here a wider and a wider range. So we, should, we need to ask why the men aren't here, not blame it on the men. We need to ask why the African-American people aren't coming in. I have a sponsee that's African-American, and I asked her that. She goes, oh, they're too busy out there frying. They're too busy frying. They're not coming in the rooms. So we need to ask ourselves that. If we want to grow, how can we attract a more wider and wider range versus getting to these specialty groups that are not all-inclusive, that are exclusive? If you didn't lose 100 pounds, you cannot speak. If you're not a vegan you need to go to another meeting. If you're not bulimic in the way that I am bulimic, then, then, then you know, don't come to that group. If, you, if, you're not, if your disease does not manifest the way it does with me, then I, you, I, can't, I, I have to find a different sponsor. This is a very valuable lesson. It's a lesson I think that we need to learn as a fellowship, and it's something that I work on every day. How can I be all-inclusive? How can I get someone in? by recognizing this twofold illness only, so that someone can find this incredible solution that I found. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Barbara? Go ahead, Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And what I'm uh, thinking back to as I uh, read this and listen, is the origins of OA. And, um, you know, a couple of women, Roseanne and her friends, sitting in their living room with his women founders who had gotten the message from Jim from Gamblers Anonymous, which came from Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, when I went to see the, the play that Roseanne wrote based on the formation of the fellowship and the development of, of what to do about the issues of 
food plans. You know, she talked about and did parodies of Broadway shows, uh, show tunes in this. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. And one of them was whether they should have men or not. Some of the membership wanted men. Some of them didn't want men. And then they had little marches. Some of them believed in putting lemon in water, and some of them said down with lemon in water. I mean, it was born out of confusion and controversy, and it wasn't so easy to be clear. It wasn't so easy to be clear with the substance of food as it was with the substance of alcohol. And so coming coming from that and looking at that was, you know, the beginning in 1960 of OA, and if we were to do a survey, as AA did their survey, you know, here in 1976, these surveys, if we were to really get, you know, uh, specific and organized about doing surveys rather than just observing, you know, I don't know really what we would come up with, but it would seem that we would certainly learn a lot about how to how to improve what we're doing and how we're doing it. But I think that um, we've still, as it says, you know, come a long way, baby, and I'm going to hold on to the to the hope that that offers. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. And is Lisa Renee available on the line to read that? Yes. Thank you, Lisa Renee. Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa Renee from South Jersey, recovered today. Thank you, God. The basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles. Just as the program has has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities, the 12 steps that summarize the program may be called Los Doce Pasos in one country, and I don't know how to say this one, so in another. But they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I, I love this paragraph. To me, this paragraph makes the case for a higher power. If, if you don't believe in that God is underneath of all this, what else? I mean, think about it. What else could go around the world could be translated into other languages, could apply to all these different kinds of people, backgrounds, unless it was something that was divinely inspired. So, you know, I don't want to recount everything that Kim said, but this program works, and this program can work for anyone. It doesn't matter. We've heard this already. It doesn't matter your background, your socioeconomic status, your race, none of it matters because this is a spiritual program. These are spiritual principles. It applies We lost you, Lisa Renee. Can you press star one to unmute? Am I still being heard? No, I hear you, my dear. No, I hear okay. you. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Anyway, I'll wrap it up, though. I think you get the point that this is just um, a beautiful spiritual program. And 
all we need is a little bit of willingness and to follow directions by the recovered people before us and any anyone can can have the gifts that come from this beautiful program. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Lisa Renee. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, Ms. Leah. Go ahead, Ms. Leah, and then Haya. Thank you so much for your service, Janice. Great to hear your voice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says the basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles, just as the program has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities. So, of course, we're reviewing that um, the history of AA growing by leaps and bounds and and having the opportunity to, you know, touch every nook and cranny of this country and uh, around the globe. And, um, you know, that's due to the focus. You know, they were focused. Um, they brought recovery. They knew what they were bringing. They were very focused on what that goal was. You know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And you end up getting lost if you don't know where you're going. And perhaps a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the OA community um, has been lost. Um, But what if the message is very concentrated? What if the message is very focused on teaching and giving an adequate representation of the program of recovery? Then what will happen? I mean, that is exactly what we're supposed to be doing, and that is what was accomplished. Um, They were focused. Their chief responsibility in meetings and one-on-one was to give an adequate presentation of the program of recovery to the newcomer and to carry a message of hope and possibility that this process is open and available to everyone on the line and that through the marvelous mystical dance of willingness and grace that each one who desires this can have a spiritual awakening and that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So they knew what they were bringing. It was very, very focused. And there were results. And those who were recovered uh, were, of course, um, you know, all types, especially as AA grew. It was men and women and young and old and black and white and Hispanic and, and a variety of cultures and languages, obviously. And, you know, it worked. But they were focused. They knew what they were speaking about. You know, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this work, we have recovered. And that was stated and focused from the get-go on the title page, how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. So these principles that um, were being taught and this program of recovery that was being taught to newcomers in meetings and one-on-one, and now we have the opportunity to do this, you know, on the phone line, 
was getting results. These 12 steps and this group of principles, which are spiritual in nature, if practiced as a way of life, will expel, will drive out the obsession of the mind, drive out the obsession to compulsively overeat. It will solve the problem. And it enables sufferers to become happily and usefully whole. And then as a society, those who are recovered can be available for service and, and, hum, and humble and helpful um, solace to those in need. And how did that occur? It occurred because they traced exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. The program of recovery does not have to be rewritten, reinvented. It doesn't need my personal opinion or my personal philosophy. And you certainly don't need to hear the drama of my life. What a newcomer needs to hear is that there is a way out of the shackles of compulsive overeating that they do not have to live that way anymore, and that rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And that was true in 1939 with the first printing, and it's true today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Haya. Go ahead, Haya. Thank you so much, Janice. Hi, everybody. This is Haya, grateful, recovered, compulsive eater and bulimic in Dallas, Texas. Can I just say ditto? <laughs> okay, it says here, um, the 12 steps that summarize the program, the program, the instructions, right, um, can be traced in these other languages, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous are 100 members who have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body and to show other, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not reading it, to show other alcoholics how to recover is precisely the purpose of this book. And, um, you know, it's telling me here they trace exactly the same path to recovery that were blazed. The, the summary of those 12 steps, which are very specifically explained in mastery detail, as, as Dr. Silkworth says, in these pages, you know, I have my book open, and you know, there's just there's just in, there's instructions here. You know, when we get to the the chapter where it starts to lay out the actual instructions of what to do, um, it's it's very clear and very specific. And um, you know, I'm so grateful that and it's a, and the other pieces, as people have said, you know, what unites us is is this program of recovery. What unites us is that we can all take the very same 12 steps. And in my experience, taking them just as they're written in the book um, gets me to the destination, um, which I was craving for so many years before I found OA and in OA and in all the other A's that I turned to um, because the message was, was diluted. And I'm so grateful that we, um, you know, that this meeting, thank you to the people who started this meeting, to carry the message of, of this, of hope. This is the message of hope, that um, it was hope for me. When I, when I realized, when I came back to the big book, when I turned to a friend and I said, I don't feel recovered. I'm in a thin body. 
you know, my life, you know, I, 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 you know, have a God in my life. I, I know about these steps, but I don't feel recovered. And was turned on to this meeting, which what, what's the purpose of this meeting? To show me exactly how to recover and to give me hope that, yes, it is possible. We're going to get, you know, in a few months to these promises at, at step 10. And um, those, those, I experienced those today on a regular basis. And it wasn't until I did these instructions. And this is what this paragraph is saying, that no matter what language the 12 steps are in, the principles are being translated exactly. And, um, you know, it's just, if you want a specific result, follow the specific directions together. My husband's an engineer. He knows how to follow directions. When we have to put something together, put a piece of furniture together, he does exactly what the directions say. He opens it up, takes all the pieces out, he counts them, makes sure that he matches them up to the picture and the thing, the whole thing. And you know what happens at the end? He comes out exactly with the, the piece produced exactly how, as it was supposed to. What if he didn't follow those instructions? What if he didn't count the pieces and he, didn't, he, didn't, he did it his own way or he found a different way? He probably wouldn't get exactly the furniture piece that we purchased. It wouldn't have the strength that it needs. It wouldn't be able to hold, let's say it's a bookshelf, all the books that we have because it wasn't put together properly. And this is what, and if I sound like I'm lecturing, I'm not, I'm speaking to myself, I just get very passionate about this. It's like, let's just follow the directions that were given that the people who got sober and stayed sober and recovered followed. And if I do that, you know, maybe I might find that it works. And then, guess what? Then I can pass it on to others. That's a message that has depth and weight. That's the message that, thank God, was given to me. And I get to give to others, um, partially because I have to, because I want to keep what I have. And I love it because it makes me feel good, and it makes me feel so good to watch others recover. That's something you don't want to miss. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Haya. Hi, Sheila. May I share? Go ahead, Sheila. Hi, this is Sheila H. New York. Good morning. Thank you for your service, and thank you for the meeting. I definitely wanted to, to identify in, and particularly about the last two paragraphs that were read and about reaching and ranging in people. Um, I know for me, when I first came into this particular program, it was quite a struggle, um, not feeling um, welcome or part of, and walked away from it because it just felt like because I didn't eat or follow grace sheets or whatever sheets everybody else was following, I wasn't welcomed and left this program, OA program, and after a very bad binge returned and only managed to stay because there was another woman of color who took my hand and said, yes, you can do this. You know, the challenges are, are reaching out, trusting, and finding someone that you can work with that will accept you for who you are and how you live and not because you live and look and eat like they eat. That's been the biggest problem, I think, for me, even talking to other folks of color about the program and trying to encourage them to come, a lot of times our folks just kind of concentrate on their faith, thinking that their relationship with God will get them through anything, and it has. It has brought my people through many, many challenges and continue to, to do so. But the challenge is to open up folks' minds and to teach them about a mental obsession, to teach them about the allergy of the body. Maybe you can eat this and can't eat that, and actually finding out what they can eat 
just getting folks open enough enough to go to a nutritionist and trust that nutritionist to work with them has been a challenge, you know. But that's part of the service that I carry on my heart. The stronger I get, the more recovery I have to, to pass that message on and take a hand just like someone took my hand and say, don't leave, stay. Stay for the miracle. I can still hear her say that, stay until the, don't leave before the miracle happens to kind of hang in there. It is very difficult, even for men. When I'm in Manhattan, I'm in a meeting, and I see maybe 10 women and one man. That poor man is uncomfortable sometimes with some of the issues that are speaking, but then we have them because they want the recovery. They keep keep showing up each and every day. I think when we think about how could we reach out to people and be more inclusive, I think we could think about how to be more open, to accept that someone may not eat what you eat, Someone may not practice the same religion that you practice, but just like Bill W. and the, the pioneers of AA did, they welcomed everyone, anyone who had a willingness to recover. And I think if we focus on that, people will feel more welcome in today. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Sheila. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. When I look at this paragraph, it, it brings me into the here and now, into the here and now. You know, this is such a great history lesson. You know, why are they including this forward to the third edition? Why are they including this in the next printing of the book? It's a great history lesson here. It tells us our origins. It tells us who we are, where we came from, and how this movement grew. But what it also does is it takes me into today. Those basic principles of the AA program, it appears, hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles. You know, just like it traveled country to country, it reached those individuals with many different lifestyles. And they trace exactly the same path to recovery. You know, I love that. So last night, you know, we got a big snowstorm here in our area. It was a very long commute home. I I had an hour and a half of shoveling to do when I got home. I had a sore throat. I had a headache. I was cold. I was tired. I walked in the house and the telephone rang. And I'll admit it, I answered reluctantly. But the young woman on the phone needed me as much as I needed her, it turns out. You know, our backgrounds could not be more different. Our ages, the age range is wide between her and I. The religious backgrounds are different. We are just about as different from each other as we could be. But our different lifestyles didn't matter. None of those differences matter. And why is that? Well, I believe it's because we share a common problem and thus a common solution. And it was there for both of us. You know, that same process of the 12 steps, that same process, same for her as it is for me, that is available for both of us. Abstinence first things first, that's just a beginning, a necessary beginning. And I think that's that is what I've heard people speak about here today on the line is, you know, how do you determine that for yourself? Well, OA gives us some really great guidelines around that. 
but we have to want it badly. We may need it badly, but we have to want it badly, no matter what your lifestyle is, no matter what your nationality is, no matter what country you live in, because we certainly know people call in on this line from all over the world. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where we come from, we are all coming from the same place. And when we want it badly and are willing to do whatever it takes, then that same solution that was available for these very early alcoholics becomes the same solution that's available for us. You know, the willingness to follow the directions laid out in this book and then to follow those directions on. You know, to connect with others, to use all the tools all the time and to do what we know works, to stay, to build a fellowship to be there for each other because in the strength we carry the message. You know, that's, that's what this paragraph says to me. It's a reminder of the here and the now. It's a great history lesson, but that, I believe, is the same thing that they're talking about. It's what you and I do today. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Right, let's move on to this last paragraph. And Julie, could you read that for us? Yes, hi, I'm Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater in California. In spite of the great increase in the size and the span of the fellowship, at its core it remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, it's all about that newcomer. Um, I, I heard many times before that newcomer is the most important person in that room. Um, you know, we're supposed to be um, an example of what a recovered state looks like. And I like, you know, if you go back to the forward to the first edition, there's a the first paragraph to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. You know, it's not to share the mess, you know, or um, to talk about non-related, you know, literature items. Um, I know for me, I come to a vision for you every day because the message is clear, concise. It doesn't deviate. Um, it tells me to use this book and to move forward and you know, to share experience, strength, and hope. That's all I need. That's all I need to do when I'm working with another um, overeater. I don't need to share about, you know, my kids and my family and um, what what I did over the weekend. Um, you know, those are niceties, but I'm here to spread the message. And Bill had to learn that on his own, the way he was trying to share the message uh, that first six months. And he didn't find another person to um, that would listen to the message until he changed it, and it was just simple. And I and I like that because it says, at its core, it remains simple and personal, because personal meaning this is what happened to me. This is my story. Um, this is where I was. What happened and where I am today. And um, you know, it's all about I think for OA as a whole 
to get back to the root. When I when I walk into a meeting and I'm a new person and leave and not have one person come up to me and say, hi, let me introduce yourself. Um, that happened more often than not. And, um, you know, we just need to go back to the core of what worked. And uh, it doesn't matter how big the program got, they keep it simple. I went into an AA meeting about six weeks ago, and I got stopped by at least six people to welcome me to the group. Um, you know, so yeah, we need to keep it simple. But I, um, that's all I have to say. This is very important. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? <clears throat> Go ahead, Bella. <clears throat> Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love this paragraph, and it's finished with to share experience, strength, and hope. And this is the the goal in in this wonderful program. It's uh, it's all about to give and to get. By sharing, we are giving and getting at the same time. When I share my experience, strength, and hope, I give away from my knowledge, my my experience, and suddenly I get to to accept myself, to love myself, to respect my valuable parts in myself. I trust myself that, yes, the world needs me, and I, there is another, another side to get. The program is teaching me that, Bella, you are human. I don't know everything all the time. The program is all about to learn, to learn new ideas, to learn new ways of behavior, to learn. By learning, I have the ability to make choices, and this is all about this program, to make choices, the best choice, one day at a time. How can I make choices when I say to my, when I accept and admit I don't know everything, I am willing to learn, to learn from other people, and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if we are at the same religious religion, if we we live in the same place, if we talk the same language, if we are at the same uh, uh, we are sharing the same uh, knowledge. It doesn't matter. We are sharing the same disease, and we are sharing the same leader. The leader is God. We are all going through the guidance of God. It's all about to give and to get, to give what God gave me as a gift, to give, to, to share with other people. I know that, thank God, I need the other people, and the other people need me. It's to share the experience, strength, and hope. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's, it's, it's not to be alone anymore. It's not to be in a isolation anymore. It's to share experience, strength, and hope. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. We have time for one more share. Can you see? Oh, go ahead, Miss Penny. 
Hi, I'll make it short. That last sentence really grabbed me this morning. And I just, as I read that, I heard it read, I thought we could paraphrase that and say today, somewhere on this line, recovery has begun as one compulsive overeater on this line is listening to one of our recovered compulsive overeater sharing this experience, strength, and hope. It's not just it happened in 1976. It's happening right here, right now, at this very moment. I am convinced that there is at least one compulsive overeater whose recovery is beginning right right today, right during this meeting, as this message of hope and recovery is shared Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you very much, Penny. Um, Paula, are you still there? Would you like to share before we close? Oh, I would love to share. I want to say thank you first, Janice, for hearing my name. It was very quietly spoken. But yet, as I look here, at its core, there it is, the very beginning, (laughs) it remains Simple and personal. That's where it is. Simple and personal. It must be. If we ever become impersonal, if we ever complicate, then we cannot carry the message and give it as it's intended. And I want to stop here because it says, to be brief, oh yes, but this call that is made, it'll go on, it'll go on. And there it is, when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic and they're God. Thank you for allowing me to share, Janice, and thank you for your service. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Well, our meeting will now close. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone who shared and helped me out this morning for your patience. Um, Thank you to Crystal for the 12 steps and Michelle L. for the 12 traditions and for the readers, Devorah, Katie F., Lisa Renee, and Julie, and all the people who shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from A Vision for You, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Deborah, are you available to read that for us? Hi, this is Deborah. I can do that. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you very much. Okay, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you have in God. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.